Okay, welcome back to another episode of the Isaiah Kid Podcast, 118, episode 118. Uh, let's get into it. Uh, we got So, before I even get into today's episode, we're gonna, I'm going to tell you guys. So, the th- I was doing over and unders for three teams in AFC. Well, we're going to scratch that. We're changing that. We're going to do the AFC division predictions this episode. All the divisions and all of the divisions in the AFC I'm predicting in this episode. <clears throat> We're going to talk about the future of college football uh, and how it weighs from different regions and different states because different states have different policies. And this coronavirus, COVID-19, has hit different territories and states differently. So I'm going to talk about that. Um, some OBJ stuff. Um, we're going to get we got we got we got quite a few things to get into today. I got a couple lists today. So uh, let's get into it. Uh, without further ado, let's go. Let's get it. So welcome back, everybody. Welcome back to another episode. Like I said, uh, I gave you guys topics. We're gonna, like I said, I changed up the segment, the segment a little bit with the over and unders. I'm, I'm gonna just do every division in the AFC, but I'm not gonna start with that. I'm gonna start with Odell Beckham um, and his. So Odell Beckham has a he has a YouTube channel. Um, I subscribe, of course, but he has a YouTube channel and he just put out a YouTube video. Yesterday, he put out he put a, a YouTube video yesterday, Tuesday, May sixth, May fifth, Tuesday, yeah, Tuesday, May fifth. He put out a YouTube video, and he was basically he, you know because Odell has dealt with some injuries the past few years. He's had um the hamstring injury his rookie year he that caused him to miss the first um four games of his rookie season, uh ankle injury, ankle fracture, quad injury, and now last year he had the sports hernia. So uh, he he's dealt with some he's dealt with some health problems, and now some of the narrative is uh can he stay healthy? You know he's a he's a, he's a he's a, he's a not he's not a he's not one of the bigger receivers like Julio Jones. He's a little bit thinner, a little bit about a little bit what five eleven. Uh, not that not that big of a guy. He goes across the middle of the field. Uh, he he runs a lot of slant routes. So he he takes he takes a beating. He takes a beating, and basically in his in this like five minute YouTube video, he shows us you know his rehab. Uh, clips of his rehab, how he's rehabbing. Uh, he he also gives us some you know some talking points. How he's feeling, what he feels like, and what he's gonna do this upcoming season. And I thought, when I found this interesting because because there was two there's a report that came out earlier this week, uh, or I think it was late last week or earlier last week, where the the Browns' new GM said came out and said, "Hey, 
We are all in on Odell. We are not trading Odell. So that just, I guess, I, I guess that just dismisses my my initial point, my whole point about Odell Beckham possibly being on the move. That just dismisses that. That that hit that statement, that comment that was put out by the Browns GM. That that has just totally dismantled my idea of Odell possibly being on the move. He says Odell, He says the Brown Browns and Odell. Are in this are in this deal long term together. So hey, can't can't argue that, can't challenge that. But what I can challenge is Odell's thinking this is gonna be one of his best seasons. Um this is gonna be one of his best seasons of his career. This he thinks this is his time. And I know a lot of those I've been I've been really supportive of Odell, uh I would say as of recently. Um as of recently, I've been I've been real supportive of Odell because usually like when he was the Giants, he would take a lot of heat, he would take a lot of criticism, rightfully so because of his antics. His antics weren't that bad. They were just like he's a young receive star receiver in that field that plays for the Giants. He you know his antics weren't outrageous. He didn't have a lot of off the field uh, trouble. He had the one incident in Paris, but he didn't have a lot of off the field issues. And often. Let's just be honest. Often, especially in football and basketball, often bad, really bad teams. When they when when they're bad, often they blame their best player or their most talented player for them being bad, or for them being that bad, or for them not being better or a much success or a much successful team. They often they they you know they often point the finger at hey the. Their star player, their best player, and I, I feel like that's what the Giants did a little bit. You know, they 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 were a bad team, they were dysfunctional, um, and and they had an older, aging quarterback. And that you know, to be honest, Odell was the best player. They you know, bad teams usually do that. Bad teams do that in this league and in the NBA more so. Um, so that, that that's what happened in that in that situation with Odell. Um, but. Last year, first year in Cleveland with Baker, Freddie Kitchens, John Dorsey, it wasn't a great setting. That 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 was not a great setting for for a guy, especially a guy like Odell. I didn't think that was the best setting. That's why I thought when when we when I first heard the trade reports and the trade rumors, I, I my antennas went up because I thought, hey, this would be the perfect opportunity for for, for both for both sides for both parties. Odell, he goes somewhere else. Um, where he's he's a better fit. He's more he's much needed. He's much more valuable. Uh, on this on this Browns roster, they're, they're, and I'm going to talk about it when I'm predicting my their record. But on this Browns roster, he's just not as um he's just not as valued as as he would be on certain on some other uh, contending teams or some other teams. He just his value on this Browns team is not that it's not as high as. You would think it would. You would think it would be uh, with with such a talent, uh, you know, of Odell Beckham's caliber, but it's not because they're so deep um, offensively in the person in their personnel that they have. They're so deep. So I thought this would be the perfect opportunity for Odell to get out and you know, this reassurance. The GM comes out and says, "Hey, Browns come out and said, hey, we are we are long term. Odell, we're, we're in this thing together with Odell long term. So." I, I, you know, I, I still think it's not the perfect mesh. I don't think it's the perfect mesh. I don't think the both sides are. Uh, I don't think 
the Browns really need Odell with two good running backs, two really good tight ends, Jarvis Landry, and then Odell. He's he wants to get his numbers, and I think it's I I you know it, I have no problem with him getting you know wanting you know to have a good season, to have a great season, to be productive. But um, you got to be realistic. We can't you you know we got to be realistic with all those weapons, all those mouths to feed. Uh, Odell's not gonna have ninety five catches. 1,300 yards and 12 touchdowns. It's just not going to happen like that. I, I, I just don't see that. And then with Kevin, if you add the fact that Kevin Stefanski, uh, coming out of, coming from Minnesota, he was uh, run heavy. He ran the ball a lot. He, 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 he's gonna, so he, I, I would only assume with two good running backs like Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb, I would only assume that Kevin Stefanski won't change his, uh, his ideology, I, I, you know, per se. I don't think he'll change that, and they will. That that, that Browns team is going to be run first. They're going to be run first. Then you look at the fact that they have Austin Hooper. Austin Hooper is a volume. He's one of. He's a volume target. He's a volume pass catching tight end. So he's going to get his touches. He's going to get his seventy catches. Then you have Jarvis Landry, who's a. I mean, it's not. I don't think he's as good as Odell Beckham, but he's still a really good receiver in this league. Um, his his average. And Miami was 90 catches. And last year, even with all the dysfunction, he still was able to nick, nick, get nick past 80 catches. So you just take that all into account with the carries uh, that Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt are going to see, then Allison Hooper, then Jarvis Landry, then Odell, then not to mention David Njoku. I just don't think this is the best setting for Odell to, you know, to be productive, fully productive as people, you know, would like him to be because he's super talented. He's good for the he's good for the league and the brand. Uh he's definitely one of the he's, he's definitely one of the few NFL guys that remind you of the NBA superstars. NBA superstars, a lot of personality, uh social media. That's Odell. That, that that's Odell. That is Odell. And I just think the Browns I just don't know how good of a fit that is for both parties. I just, I seriously don't. I, I seriously don't know how good of a fit that is for both sides. <clears throat> and with him trying to get his numbers, going for his numbers, I don't get it. But let's 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 um, let's switch gears to college football, or well, the future of college football as far as like this season. Um, and Notre Dame's a couple ads have came out and spoken on it. And Notre Dame's uh, Notre Dame football. Uh, you know, Notre Dame's athletic director is the latest one to come out. And he basically said, hey, we want a football season. We want to play college football. And this is my point right here. Uh, with this with this pandemic, um, you know, I've been I read uh, articles. I, I try to get stats and graphs. I, I, I honestly try to like and this is this this, this can be a, um, a pointer or a key point out for you guys. Uh, with the stats and the numbers that are displayed or that the media or the news uh, displays and put out, I would just be very careful because some of those numbers could be skewed. Um, you, you know, it's so like it's a certain area may have a high number of, of coronavirus cases, but that certain area may be it may be highly populated. So. The more people you would think, the more people would equal more coronavirus cases. So, some stats and numbers that you see from various places can be skewed. They can be skewed um, racially. Uh, we, you know, 
uh, w- w- it depends on what community community you live in. It, it's it's very it's very much skewed. Um, I know in the DMV area, th- those numbers, the the, the African American race is taken. It, you know, it, it seems like the African American race has been uh, affected by COVID nineteen much more harder than some other races. But with the with stats and numbers may show that and display that, and that might be the perspective. But the one perspective that you're missing is, hey, a, a lot of African Americans in the DMV area have front line jobs so with them being in the front line jobs they're still out in public and they still interact with people and though some of those front line front line jobs are in hospitals and as we all know hospitals and the healthcare system and you know how that's been affected with COVID-19 and this pandemic um it's very it's it's if you work a front line job it is very it's it's easy and it's Likely, it's much more likely that you catch it, um, that you catch the corona, that you catch the virus with you being on the front line. So I think, you know, numbers, you got to just be careful when you see certain stats that's just thrown out there, certain demographics that's thrown out there. You know, you got to be careful. And this, and this goes to my point about college football. Some states and some regions have been affected more than others or less than others. And certain governors, depending on, you know, the like, for instance, the South. The SEC, I think the SEC is going to have football. I think the SEC is going to have a college football season. Uh, you look at, look at a state like, for instance, Georgia. A state, the state of Georgia, had, last week, they decided to reopen, like, uh, bar, I mean, barbershops, salons, spas, um, stuff of such like that, gyms, they have, they have decided to reopen that. Now, this week and next week, they're reopening more and more stuff. So if you were to ask me what conference is going to have a college football season, I would tell you probably the SEC. The SEC is probably the most likely conference that will have, SEC, that will have a college football season. Not only the... Based on the fact that the south, some southern states, some governors are, well, not some, most southern states' governors are conservative. So, they, they, you know, they, they, they're going to tend to reopen up things. They're going to reopen up things. Uh, this, and this, just certainly the south, some, most southern states just hasn't been hit as hard as, uh, per se, New York. Or uh, the New Jersey area, or um, the Michigan, you know, that near Michigan area, that some s- certain states haven't been affected as much. Um, like a, like a Maryland, you know, Maryland has twenty six thousand cases, but Maryland has a lot of counties. So you know, it it it, it just varies in what state and in, in like as far as region and state. Um, Florida reopening back up in. That and that's the and that's where the talks of the NBA may be moving back to Disneyland. So Florida opens back up. So if you were to ask me, because um, I know the college football season is somewhat in doubt, it seems like um, more. It seems like more ads are willing to say, "Hey, we're going to college. We want, we want, we want college football. We want a college football season." Then there isn't. You know what I'm saying? So I I, I think um. Down, and, let's, and let's also understand this. Like I said, certain regions, what I was talking about, 
as far as the economics and the money aspect with college football and college athletics. I mentioned that in certain regions, regions and certain schools value they they value certain sports more. So uh, Duke, of course, Duke basketball is probably number one priority with Coach K. But down in Alabama and uh, Georgia and Auburn and um, Clemson, foot college football is much more um, important. It's much more important, and I think um, that you know the SEC, especially the SEC schools like Tennessee, Texas A&M, the the, the people, them, them people live for the college football season, and I think the college football season down in the SEC will happen. Now, some a school like Rutgers, schools that are in the that are in the northeastern area and region, mm, may gotta fight for that. Penn State, mm, I don't know, maybe shaky. Merlin, mm, maybe shaky. It, it it may be shaky to like the ACC conference, some of those ACC the, the some of those ACC schools that are near New York, Boston, Merlin may may have some may have some struggles there even with uh, in some Big Ten schools with with Merlin University it 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 just all depends and varies on what the climate of your state is and there's 130 uh, college football FBS Division One programs 130 of them I think probably 75 to 80 of those programs will probably have a college football season. Probably 75 to 80 of those programs will pro- 75 to 80, I think uh maybe a mm, 75 to 80 may they, they they're going to have a college football season. Now the Pac-12, I don't know cuz I know the California's governor has been really, you know, stand still. They've been they, they've been standing still. Uh, or the state of the state of Washington has taken a hit. So that whole big that whole Pac-12 region mm, may 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 not. It, it, it very well may not happen. Um, and like I said, similarities and differences. The way it may the, a citizen or a college student or whatever a citizen that lives in Utah is way and totally different from a citizen that lives in New York. Life is totally different. Life is totally different right now. Life is totally different. New York numbers, New York got hit hard. New York got hit hard. No other state got hit harder than New York. And, um, I mean, to, as far as my knowledge, um, you can, you guys can correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think, no, um, I'm, I'm, I'm certainly, I don't think no, state has been hit harder than New York. So different states, different regions with different governors may approach the sports thing as well. It's different as well. I and there's definitely a competition. There's definitely a competition like for sports, definitely. There was a there was a competition for ventilators. There was a there was there was literally a competition for masks in different states. There were there there was there was competitions for those type of supply. So just imagine when the sports market, especially football, is going to be, it's definitely going to be a competition. Because now, SEC schools, 
you know, they 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 have that the leg up in recruitment and say, hey, we're playing. They had the leg up on recruiting and say and, and, and say, hey, we're playing. Pac 12 isn't. Some of those AC schools are not. Some of those ACC ACC schools are not playing. So coaches could very well use that to their advantage. Coaches could very well use that to their advantage. So I you know, this college football thing. It's gonna be interesting to see how it plays out, um, but I, you know, it's the same. Different regions, different states have been handling the virus totally different, totally different. Because some states may very well, some states have may or cities or or counties may have a small population, and the virus just hadn't spread it. The virus just hadn't hit them as hard. It, it it very well may not have had hit them as hard, and then you compare it with a city like New York or a, well a state like New York, a state like Maryland, who uh, from just because I, I live in the DMV area, Maryland has taken a big hit. Maryland Maryland has a lot of cases between DC, Maryland, Virginia. Maryland has the most cases. So, but Maryland also also has a lot of counties. That goes back to my point. But so we just got to see how this thing plays out, uh, player by ear. Um, but I will be back next with the AFC division projections or predictions, my predictions. This is, mind you, this is the, the season starts September, October. We, 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 we don't know. You can't predict. Some doctors, some, some of the best scientists, some of the best people in that field can't predict when this thing is going to be over. They don't know. So, like I said, we'll be back um, with the AFC. I'm going to be back with the AFC predictions uh, as far as divisions. I, I had a poll up last night. Some of you guys were able to reach it. Some of you guys were able to see it and fill it out. Uh, it was very interesting and intriguing. You get, you get to see my AFC predictions after this quick break. For three teams on the AFC in the AFC, the previous two episodes, um, so it's not gonna be much different. But instead of doing the over and unders for only three teams, why not do the AFC divisions? So I'm gonna do the divisions <clears throat> for the AFC, and these are the teams that I have. That's gonna that I'm, I'm gonna do it division wise. Now, mind you. Early, it, it, it's it's this is way before the season. The season is not gonna start until September, October. Um, so obviously this is not gonna be the the only prediction that I do. But we're gonna just do we're gonna do this position this prediction right here right now. Uh, post free agency, post draft. Um, I gave some of these teams. Um, off season grades as far as what they did in the, as far as what they did in the free agency market and in the in the draft 
Uh, I talked about some of these teams already. I gave some of these teams over and under already. So it's not going to be much different, but I'm just doing the divisions. So let's start with the AFC East. The AFC East. Uh... For Vegas has the Bills at nine wins, the Patriots at nine wins, the Jets at six and a half wins, and the Dolphins at six. Now I'm gonna just I'm gonna tell you my division winner right now. I think the Buffalo Bills win this division. Um, I do think this is gonna be a closely competitive division, uh, but I do think the Bills win this division. I think I did their over and under yesterday. Oh well, not yesterday, but the previous podcast. And I talked about the Bills. I thought the bit you know, I, I said I did the I did the over and under for the Bills the previous podcast. I think I said that they were a ten and sixteen or a push. I'm not gonna go under, but I think this is a push. A push mean I like the I, I, I like this exact total. I think this division is gonna be closely competitive. I think the Jets and the Dolphins. Uh, they're given what they did in the off season and in the draft. I think both teams got better. New England really didn't get better, uh, but I think with Belichick and in their solid defense that they still have, I think they'll still be they still be competitive. I just don't think they have the offensive weapons. So the Bills, I have the Bills winning this division. I'm gonna I'm gonna go at ten and six. I think the Bills win this division at ten and six. Uh, I'm feeling more nine and seven. I think I said this though. I think I'm feeling more nine and seven. But I think the Bills win this division ten and six. I'm gonna go. I'm, I'm feeling more nine and seven. But I'm gonna say ten and six. I'm gonna give Buffalo the benefit of the doubt. Uh, like I said, I think I talked. I talked about this um, the previous podcast. They added Stephon Diggs, so that's a weapon on the outside that's gonna help Josh Allen's development. I like their coaching. They did not lose no. They did. They didn't lose no coordinators. So they they bring back the same coaches, which is a plus. They did lose Shaq Lawson on in their in their front seven. He was really productive and good for them. But uh I think with the with the added offensive repertoire, they still have a pretty solid defense. Yet they are not surprising anybody that everybody's gonna be looking out for Buffalo because Buffalo made it to the playoffs last year and they were really good. So I think they will win this division. I think they're the most complete team in this division. Uh, in second place, I have the Dolphins. I'm going to go with the Dolphins in second place. I told you guys, I like what Brian Flores has done in the offseason with this roster. Um, they won five of their last nine. I don't think people realize, like, they had some, they had some, they had a couple big wins late down the stretch of the season. So I like what I saw from them. But Brian Flores has really built the culture. He went out in the offseason in free agency and spent money on his defense. Uh, then the, in the draft, they would they, they they hit on all of the points, all of the positions that they wanted and needed in the draft. They hit, got a quarterback, got offensive line, drafted a receiver. Not bad. They have running backs. I like this. I like this Dolphins roster. I see it more. I see. I think they're an eight and eight team, but that is definitely an upgrade. Um, I think Ryan Fitzpatrick. You know, I think they're they're probably rich. They're probably quote unquote red shirt uh to a tongue of our law. He probably won't start day one. You probably won't see him. Um but uh I, I think with Ryan Fitzpatrick and these and this this roster that Miami has built, I think this is I think this is the eight win team. I, I really do think this is the eight win team. So I have Miami finishing second. Third, I have I have the Jets. 
Third place, I had the Jets. I think the Jets can finish seven and nine in this in this division. They got better in, in the O line. Uh, the receiving core, I'm not a big fan of. Uh, I got to see what Adam Gase does as a coach, but. Uh, they did get better on their O-line. Um, I think with Sam, you know, he won't miss uh, He won't miss the first few weeks. That really put them behind the eight ball last year, so he won't miss the first few weeks. But uh, I like I like what the Jets could do. They went 7-6 they, they went and six last year. Maybe they can go for 8-8, eight and eight, but I think they're 7-9 and nine team. And then, la- then last, in last place, I know you guys, I know some of you guys may be thinking I'm crazy, but I have New England. I think New England takes a step back. Um, they, they, and this is my thing. This is why I have New England at last. Um, offensively, even if, a, even if Jerick Stidham is decent, I don't know who his weapons are. He has Julian Edelman, who's a slot guy, but that's his only playmaker the, the, the New England didn't add any playmakers on offense. They didn't add no speed, no athleticism. They added nothing at the tight end position, receiver position, or the running back position. So even if Jerick Stidham is solid and he turns out to be pretty solid, uh, I, I don't I don't know who he's throwing the ball to. So I, that's why I don't think they will be. I don't think they can compete offensively um, enough. I don't think they had the I don't think they have the arsenal to compete offensively. I just don't think so. I think they're more of a six. I think they're more of a six or seven win team. Um, then New England is not going to be horrible, but I think offensively it's going to be a tough watch. I just don't. I just don't know what playmakers they have on outside um, in this league. I think last year showed it to you. Playmakers mean a lot, and even with Tom Brady, that offense didn't look good. That offense didn't look good at all. So I you know, Jerick Stidham is no Tom Brady. So I, I don't I don't know. Even if he even if he turns out to be a decent, a pretty decent quarterback, I don't know how much of that will show with the lack of weaponry and uh the lack of arsenal on offense that New England lacks that they did not, you know, get better. That they, they didn't get they didn't get better in none of those positions. So I have them at last at you know six and ten seventy nine. Uh, so you know a little bit uh, probably under, definitely under. Because Vegas has them at nine wins. You know I'm gonna go under. Uh, let's go to the AFC West. <clears throat> the AFC West. The Vegas Vegas has the Chiefs at eleven and a half wins. Uh, the Broncos at seven and a half. Raiders at seven and a half. And Chargers at all at seven and a half. All three teams at seven and a half. Now. So it seems like Vegas thinks that the Chiefs are going to just run away with this division. I certainly do think that the Chiefs are the best team in this division, but I don't think they're going to run away with a four-game lead in this division in this season. Because uh, I think a couple of these teams, I, th- I think a couple of these teams definitely gotten better. Um, the Chiefs, they they have they have a tough schedule. We down the schedule is releasing tomorrow. And I wanted to get this podcast out to you guys, but the schedule is releasing tomorrow, so this could have an impact in like what in my predictions because it matters when you play certain teams, where you play. I mean, we already know where they're playing. We just don't know when. We just don't know when. But the Chiefs have a couple tough. They have tough. Like a lot of their tough games 
on, on the road. They got to go at Baltimore. They have to go to Buffalo. They have to play at Tampa Bay, at New Orleans. So they got to they, they they have a pretty they put they, they, all of their tough games are on the road. Um, I think they win a lot of home games, but I, I, I can see them losing to Baltimore. I think the Ra- I think I think Chan- I think Kansas City probably goes mm, eleven and five. I think I'm gonna go twelve and four. I think Kansas City goes twelve and four. Um, I th- and, you know Kansas City Super Bowl champs. I don't got to say nothing. I don't got to say nothing about them. Uh, let's go on to second place. So I think the Chiefs win the division, obviously. Second place. I think the Broncos. I, I think the Broncos finish in second place. I think I can see the Broncos being a ten-win team. Um, if Drew Lock now, this this it's, it's a big asterisk. And mind you, these are these are post draft and post free agency. So I, as we get closer to the regular season, of course I'm gonna do a new prediction. But just just my prediction as we stand right now on May six. I'm going to go with the Broncos in second place. Uh, you look, they had a really good offseason with adding Jarrell Casey, adding A.J. Bouye. Um, they, they're, getting, they're, get, they're bringing back Bradley Chubb. So, and then you, they also added uh, Melvin Gordon. And then they had a they had a pretty good they had a they had a decent draft in drafting Jerry Judy at the receiver position. So I, I I like what the Broncos are doing. If Drew if Drew Locke is um if he is as good as promised or as as good as I think he may be, um I, I think the Broncos with this roster, their home field advantage, um their defense, their their improved defense, um, with with restoring and getting back their front seven, and then AJ Bouye in the back in the secondary, um, I think this is I think this is a team that can easily double or have a better record than they what they had last year. I think they're more. I I see more ten and six, nine and seven, with the Denver Broncos at second place. Third place, I would have the Chargers. Now, I I think I did the Chargers on a previous podcast, a couple previous episodes ago. Uh, at seven and a half, I think this is definitely an over. I'm going over with the Chargers. I think the Chargers, they I don't think they'll be as good as Denver. Um, they and they possibly can. The Chargers and Denver, they could be. They can both. One of those teams is going to finish in second place, in my opinion. Um, but with, with the Chargers, they have Tyrod Taylor. Tyrod Taylor is better. He's better than advertised. Um, he's definitely better than advertised. I think he's definitely underrated. He has a winning record as a starting quarterback, and he played on teams that were rebuilding, quite frankly. He played on rebuilding rosters. This is a roster that is loaded. He, he, he has a, a, a front seven. Uh, their secondary is really good. It's one of the best secondaries in football. Um, and they have rebuilt their offensive line. Plus, he can do a little bit. He's 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 a lot mobile than Phillip Rivers, so he can do more offensively as a quarterback, athletically than Phillip Rivers has. So I I'm gonna take that. I like um I like Tyrod Taylor and the Chargers as a nine and seventeen, eight and eight, nine and seven, eight and eight. Uh, they can possibly finish in second place. And then last place, I have the Raiders. Um, I like the Raiders. I just don't know what I just don't know what the idea is. What is I don't I'm trying to get a feel of the quarterback position position with the Raiders. I know Derek Carr. I don't think John Gruden and Mike Mayock 
uh, I asked high on on Derek Carr, Marcus Mariota. I'm not really high on him. So I I like the Raiders. I think uh I, you know last year's draft class was really good. This year's draft class I think would be pretty good, pretty decent. Um, and I like the pieces that they have going into a new going into a new state. But uh, I just don't know what to get from the quarterback position. So yeah, I see this being a seven and nine team. Really good team, uh, but I just I think they struggle to figure out who is the quarterback or how do they feel about Derek Carr moving forward. So I think this is more of a seven and nine, six and ten team. Um, on to the AFC North. This is interesting. Uh, Baltimore, Vegas has Baltimore at eleven wins. Uh, Pittsburgh at nine and a half. Browns at eight and a half. And in Cincinnati at five and a half. Now, let's start with Baltimore. I think Baltimore has the best roster on paper. I've said this in a previous podcast or previous episode. I think the Baltimore Ravens have the best roster on paper. Um, defensively, I really like what they could do. With a much improved secondary, a strong secondary. Now, I do think the league the league has caught on or has the league has found a way or a strategy strategically to slow down Lamar, I don't, I think, you know, I don't think he's going to have the the electrifying season that he had last year. I still think the Ravens will be fine. And I still think Lamar will have a great year. And I, and who says, who's to say Lamar hasn't gotten better as a thrower? Lamar has, Lamar, he works out tremendously in the off season. So he very well may have, may have gotten better as a thrower. So, yeah, the league may have not kept called on to him, but in this league, like I said, they won a lot of one possession games. They went five and one in one possession games. You usually don't have back to back years where you go where you win most of those one possession games. Um, plus, it's just really difficult to to go fourteen and two back to back years. I think they drop a little bit, um, and their division is better. Pittsburgh got a quarterback. Cleveland got better. You know, the division is just much better. Uh, so I, I, I think Baltimore definitely wins this division. But I see an 11-5 and five Baltimore team. But even just because their record um, will, I, in my opinion, just because I think their record would get worse does not mean they, are, they won't be a better team than they were last year. I think they'll probably be a better team than they were last year when they were 14-2. and two. As eleven and five, I think they'd be a better team. Lamar would be better. Their defense would be better. Uh, John Harbaugh is a good coach. I like Baltimore to win this division. Out of shot of a doubt, without a shot of a doubt, I like Baltimore to win this division. Now, Pittsburgh. I think Vegas. I don't know how to feel about Pittsburgh. Um, I, I have Pittsburgh at third. I have Cleveland in second place. Uh, I think with the with their much improved offensive line, they fixed they fit they 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 solved their tackle issue on their offensive line. Uh, they add another another weapon on offense for Baker to throw to. He so he has two good tight ends, two good running backs, two good receivers. Uh, with Kevin Stefanski, who I think his offensive philosophy fits this team. I think his offensive philosophy fits this team's this team best. Um, I think their defense was, I don't think their defense was much of the problem last year. Their offense just couldn't get it together and get it going. But so I think their defense is really solid, especially their front seven. 
Um, and I think their offense offense will be better. I think their offense will be better. Despite not having OTAs, I think their offense will be better. And I see Cleveland as a 9-17. and 17. Now, you, probably, you guys are probably wondering, why do I have... Um, why, 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 I'm, why I'm on the fence about Pittsburgh? I'm on the fence about Pittsburgh because, let's be honest, Ben Roethlisberger never been a workout freak. He's never been. He's never been a, a guy that's been that's that take care of his body like Brady does and like Russell Wilson does. He's just not into that. Brady and Russell Wilson they take care of their body twenty five eight all year round. Um, Big Ben Roethlisberger. Ben Roethlisberger. He he makes sure he's well conditioned sixteen for sixteen games. So coming off of a coming off of a Tommy John, or coming off of the his elbow injury, I don't know how I don't know how effective or how healthy or how fit he'll be, how in shape he'll be. I just don't know that. And there's some reports out that that that's questioning uh, that's questioning Roethlisberger's health. So that's why I'm a little hesitant with Pittsburgh. Um, if you if if Roethlisberger is healthy, I think Pittsburgh's better than Cleveland. If Roethlisberger, if he if if his health is questionable, I think Pittsburgh goes eight and eight. They have a good roster. They have a good roster. Their defense is loaded. Their defense is great, and I love the the culture that they have there in Pittsburgh. Certainly, um, and then Mike Tomlin is certainly I, I I like I like what he brings to the table. Of course, of course, as a coach. But I worry, and I'm on the fence about Ben Roethlisberger and his health. So, Baltimore at one, uh, Cleveland at two, and then I have Pittsburgh at three. So Cincinnati at four. Cincinnati, they just don't have enough offense. They just don't have enough on their roster. They're, um, the, these three teams ahead of them, all of these three, three of these teams, these these same three teams, may very well may make the playoffs. All three of these teams very well may may make the playoffs. So Cincinnati coming in last place for Joe Burrow and Zach Taylor. Uh I don't think is a I don't I don't think it's a hot take. Um it's just cold facts. Uh, it's just cold facts. These are these are some of the better rosters in in, in, in football, period. Uh Baltimore, Pittsburgh, Cleveland, these are some of the better rosters. Their front sevens are brutal. Uh yeah, I, I yeah, Cincinnati at five and a half. I think that's about right. I I would say they I would go under. So probably five and eleven for Cincinnati, depending on like who they play and when they play them. Um it's five and eleven, six and ten. <clears throat> Cincinnati in last place. Um and then lastly in the AFC South, uh I have the coat so Vegas has the Colts um at eight and a half. The Titans at eight and a half, the Texans at seven and a half, and Jacksonville at five and a half. Um, I'm gonna go with the Colts to win this division. I think with um, an upgrade at the quarterback position, um, a, a better old offensive line than Philip that that Philip Rivers had in, in, in with the Chargers. This is this, he's going to one of the he's he's going to one of the best offensive lines in football. Um, I like what the Indianapolis Colts did in free agency, uh, getting DeForest Buckner. Uh, they lost Eric Ebron, but they were able to get Michael Pittman Jr. out of USC and draft Jonathan Taylor out of Wisconsin. So I really like what they did in the draft, and they got a steal for Jacob Eason. So I like what they did in the draft. Um, I like their culture, and I like their roster already. 
Indianapolis, I said it all throughout last year. Indianapolis was one of the better teams roster-wise in football last year. They just didn't have the right quarterback. They just didn't have the quarterback that will that that could have got them to the next level. So I, I see ten and six. I I see ten and six for Indianapolis. Indianapolis, I see ten and six. Their roster is really good. Go look through your homework. Go do your homework on Indianapolis. Uh, the Titans, I, I the Titans, I, I you know eight and a half. Mm, I probably go a little over. I I probably go nine and seven. Um, I just think Ryan Tannehill takes a step back. He comes back down to earth. Uh, I know, you know, Derrick Henry had a great playoff run. But even with that great playoff run, Ryan Tannehill, his role diminished. His role diminished. I think the league would catch on. Um, his numbers went that his numbers decreased. So I you know, I just think I, I just I just think um I think I think Ryan Tannehill comes back down to earth. I don't, I don't, I don't think he plays at that level, you know, with the highest passer rating in football. I don't think he plays at that level next year. I think he comes back down to earth a little bit. He'll still be solid, but he just won't be like, like I said, he won't have the highest complete. He won't have like the highest complete percentage in football or the highest uh, passer rating in football. I think he takes a step back. Uh, so I, I t- Titans at nine and seven. Uh, the Texans seven and a half. I, I agree with Vegas. I think the Texans. I think the Texans take a step back. Love Deshaun Watson, but um, they didn't address none of their needs on defense. They didn't address none of their needs on defense. They were bad. They were. They were. They were horrific on defense last year, and they did not address none of their needs on defense. So I don't know how that will fare for them. But um, I, I you know it's it's, it's too much. It's, it may be too much to ask for Deshaun Watson to carry you throughout a whole nother year and you take away his best receiver. They will score they they'll score points, but I don't know if they'll be able to stop anybody. Uh so I have Houston at seven and nine, eight and eight, seven and nine. I think I think Houston's a seven and nine team. Um and Bill O'Brien just don't trust his judgment. And then Jacksonville, Jacksonville's probably gonna be the worst team in football next year. Uh yeah, they're gonna they they're probably gonna be the worst team in football Jacksonville at five and a half wins. Wow, I'm surprised Vegas gave them five. I'm going under. I say more like three or four wins. Yeah, I don't, yeah, that's 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 a no brainer. Yeah, so I had the Colts winning that division. Um, then the tech, I had the Colts winning at eight and eight. I mean at ten and six. Uh, Titans at nine and seven. Texans at eight and eight, seven and nine. And then the Jacksonville Jaguars being four and twelve, three and thirteen. They're gonna be bad. Um, they're gonna be bad. Uh, so I'll be back. So I have one last list for you guys. One last list. Those are my division winners. Um, my playoff teams. It's seven playoff teams. So my playoff teams will probably include Kansas City, Baltimore, definitely Kansas City and Baltimore, Buffalo, Browns, um, Broncos. So it would be Kansas City, Baltimore, sorry you guys, Kansas City, Baltimore, Buffalo, Indianapolis, Broncos, Browns, Steelers. Yeah, Browns, Steelers. Yep, three, 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 three AFC North teams. Yep, Kansas City, Buff- Kansas City Baltimore, Buffalo, Indianapolis, Denver, Browns, Steelers. Yep. 
Those are my playoff teams for the AFC. Those are my playoff teams for the AFC. Those are my predictions. I'll be back after the break, and I'm going to talk about best quarterback and coach duo, top 10 coach and quarterback duos, tandems in the league. That will be my last list of the, of the, of the episode. I'll catch you guys after a quick break. Okay, so <clears throat> you guys all know that I think, you know, this is just my opinion, and there's there's concrete evidence to to really back up that the coach and the quarterback tandem duo, it matters. It matters in this league. In my opinion, it matters. It matters tremendously. Coach, this is a coach's league. This is a coach's league, and you only go as far as your quarterback. You only go as far as your quarterback. So, you guys already know, I had to put together my top 10 coach, quarterback, and coach duos or tandems. And mind you, this list, you may disagree with this list, but this list is a list um, that's dependent on the coach and the quarterback. Coach and the quarterback. So, there may be some quarterbacks that are missing, but I may think that their coach is not that good. Or vice versa. The coach, the coach is really good, but the quarterback is mediocre. So let's get into it, and let's start at number 10. So at number 10, I have Jared Goff and Sean McVay. Uh, Jared Goff and Sean McVay, I have them at number 10. Uh, now, this is, why, this is when it comes, this, this is when my part comes in about quarterback and coach. I think Sean McVay is one of the better coaches in the league. Um, the Rams, I think the Rams will take a step back, but that's going to, I'm going to save that for my NFC prediction. But I think the Rams, uh, they got into, uh, they got into more of a, a financial bind where they had to let guys go. Um, so, so, you know, that's, that, that, you know, they had a, they had a down year last year. And I know a lot of people, you know, they're, they're very critical of Jared Goff, if the money he's making, cause he's down, he's now the biggest cap hit. I think the Rams are going. I think the Rams are working on restructuring his contract, though. But um, he is def. I think this is definitely a quarterback and coach duo that is. It, it's not elite, but um, it, it it can definitely do some damage. And if you put the right pieces around it, it could be really good. As we saw, they went. They got to the Super Bowl together. Um, nine. My next one would be Roethlisberger and Tom. Ben Roethlisberger and Mike Tomlin at nine. Uh, like, I, like I said, I love Mike Tomlin as a coach. Really consistent. And the job, the coaching job that he did last year was probably the best coaching job he's ever done. Uh, and that's no disrespect. Because if you take it into account, the injuries that he faced, uh, all of the off-the-field, off-season that happened with Pittsburgh that usually does not happen to Pittsburgh, he was able to overcome that and combat that and still finish out 500. Stills was still in playoff contention. Even with Duck Hodges and Mason Rudolph as their quarterback, 
they were still in playoff contention. That says a lot about Mike Tomlin as a coach. Now, Roethlisberger, uh, really, he was, I mean, last time we saw him, didn't have didn't have the, the the greatest showing. First two weeks of the season last year, didn't have the greatest showing. Um, they started off 0-2 with Roethlisberger. He got hurt in the second game. So we don't know what to expect. And like I said, Roethlisberger never been like the workout freak. So we, we you know, Pittsburgh fans are crossing their fingers on on Pittsburgh, and what to and what to look for with with Ben Roethlisberger. But I have them at nine. At eight, I have Aaron Rodgers and Matt Lafleur. Um, Aaron Rodgers and Matt Lafleur at eight. Aaron Rodgers, in my opinion, I still I think is still elite, despite um, I guess the ill will that they have for each other. Or the dislike that they have for each other. Despite that, uh, I'm not. I'm not so. I'm not so sold on Matt Lafleur as a coach. Yes, he had a 13 and three year, but it seems like he's going in a different direction. Uh, he didn't. The, the Packers didn't. I don't. In my opinion, I don't think. I didn't think the Packers drafted accordingly uh, to their needs, um, and to you know to put them in prime position to win a Super Bowl this year. So we'll see. What what Matt Lafleur does? Um, he was a first year head coach. Did offensively, Green well, if Aaron Rodgers, he didn't have the greatest year last year, but I think Aaron Rodgers still. I don't think you can name five of quarterbacks that's better than or that you would take over Aaron Rodgers to this day right now. I don't think you. I don't think you can name five. Um, now with Matt Lafleur, thirteen three year. Like I said, we'll see what he do this year. At seven, I have Jimmy Garoppolo and Kyle Shanahan. Um, I think Kyle Shanahan is one of the better coaches, better well, he's one of the better young coaches, young coaches in the league. I think he's by far the best offensive mind in football. He uh in, in, in the NFL in, in NFL. Um he 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 definitely knows how to scheme guys open his zone run well, he's taken his father's zone running scheme to the next level and used it in San Francisco. It is paid off uh, greatly, but let's also give some love to Jimmy Garoppolo because all throughout this offseason since the Super Bowl just nothing but hate for Jimmy Garoppolo and I understand it, he had a bad fourth quarter, he had a bad he had a bad fourth quarter against Patrick Mahomes okay but with him on the field the 49ers are practically unbeatable, with Jimmy Garoppolo on the field, the 49ers are practically unbeatable so you can't beat that, no pun intended. Um, but I, I, you know, I think um, you know we we don't give Jimmy Garoppolo enough credit. Even going into the Super Bowl, we didn't give him enough credit. And let's let's just be honest. That was his first year starting. That was his first year as an official starter. So I have Jimmy Garoppolo and Kyle Shanahan at seven. Um, at six, I have Tom Brady and Bruce Arians. Bruce Arians is a great offensive mind. Uh, he loves to stretch the field. Uh, he, he he. But that Tampa Bay roster, they damn near they they damn near finished eight and eight with Jameis Winston throwing all those picks. With Brady, he gets a better quarterback, a more mature quarterback, a be, a better decision maker, a a, a, a better clutch player. Uh, he won't he won't make the he won't nearly make the same amount of mistakes. That uh, Jameis Winston made, especially in the fourth quarter of close games. Brady will know what to do with the ball, what to do with the play, live to see another down, live to see another day. They won't, 
Kansas, I mean Kansas City, Tampa Bay won't lose as many close games as they lost last year just based off the fact that they have a better quarterback and a better decision maker. Um, I, now, I don't think Brady, Brady I, don't, I think Brady, he's not gonna, I don't think he's going to have an MVP type year, but I do think he's going to have a, a, a really good year where he still shows you he can still play at a pretty high level. I think he I think I think Brady will show you that. Um I think he'll still play at a very high level. Um I, I like what the I like what Buccaneer I like what the Buccaneers are doing and what they have done this offseason. I like what they're doing. Um I have Tampa Bay, that whole that coaching and quarterback duo at six. At five, I got Carson Wentz and Doug Peterson. Carson Wentz and Doug Peterson at five. Carson Wentz is a top five talent quarterback talent. He's an elite talent. Um, the throws that Mahomes can make, Carson Wentz can make some of those same throws. Carson Wentz had he, he's shown signs, um, and he's had a season of like that. He's had a season where he was the MVP and damn near led the damn near led the Eagles to home field advantage throughout the playoffs, which he did um, a couple years back. And last year, everybody heard offensive lineman. Defense banged up a little bit. Receivers, I mean, practically depleted. And he still was able to beat the more talented Cowboys um, with, with, and take the Eagles to the playoffs. Tremendous. Then Doug Peterson, he's a risk taker. He's a maverick. I like him. Uh, he's, he's one of the better offensive minds in football. Not, and I don't think he's as good as Kyle Shanahan and Sean McVay. But he's definitely a good offensive mind. He will be able to scheme some of these young guys open that they have on the receiver at the receiver position for the Eagles. Doug Peterson, definitely a top probably he's one of the better coaches in football. Definitely. Um at four, I have Drew Brees and Sean Payton. Sean Payton, um, I think he's a tremendous coach, but we do, but Sean Payton has he's he's won a lot of regular season games. He's had a lot of regular season success. But since his Super Bowl victory against Indianapolis, Sean Payton has had, he's made some questionable decisions in the postseason and he's given me some cause for pause. Um I he's certainly one of the, he's certainly one of the elite coaches in football. He's definitely a top 5 coach in football. You can't name five other coaches that's better than Sean Payton or that you ever ever had than Sean Payton. But his postseason, you know, his postseason resume his, these last few years hasn't been the greatest. Hasn't been the greatest, but hey, they the New Orleans, they was they I think they're the best team in their division. Um Breeze is still playing at a really high and productive level. So, I can't I can't argue against that. I have them at 4. At 3, I have Lamar Jackson and and John Harbaugh. Uh, Lamar Jackson, p- completely dynamic, explosive. I think he he got he's definitely gotten better as a thrower and will only get better as a thrower. John Harbaugh, similar to Sean Payton a little bit. He has a Super Bowl victory under his belt, but since then it's been a little uh been it's been a, it's been some turbulence in his playoff career. It's been some turbulence. Uh, dating back to last year with, with both Sean Payton and John Harbaugh. But I still like John Harbaugh. He's definitely an underrated coach. Um, he has won a lot of games. He's been 
really consistent in in Baltimore. I think he'd be he'd definitely be consistent. He'd stay in Baltimore for a very long time because he has Lamar Jackson as his quarterback, uh, the reigning MVP. So they, those guys are at three for me. At two, I have Russell Wilson and Pete Curl. Um, in the last three years, Russell Wilson has been the best quarterback in football. Go look at his numbers. Go look at his win-loss total. Um, before Patrick Mahomes arrived on the scene, last three years, Russell Wilson has been absolutely the best quarterback in football, hands down. You can't argue it. It's facts. Um, go look, just go look at the numbers. Just go look at the numbers. Uh, he's won games. He's got. He's won playoff games. He's taken bad rosters. He's taken bad injured rosters, injured defenses, injured running games, mediocre receivers to playoffs, to the playoffs and playoff wins. Just look at it. It's it's in it's 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 in the book. It's it's in the stat sheet. Um, Pete Curl, motivator, the ultimate motivator. He he his his guys look like they want to run through a wall for him every Sunday. I mean, the way how he riles his guys up and the way how he rallied the troops up, it looks like he want he it, those players look like they're run through a wall for Pete Curl. Uh, I don't need to say much about Pete Curl. Great coach, love what he's doing in Seattle. I think Seattle they I think they'll be better next year. I th- I really do think so. You got to stay tuned to my NFC predictions. Um, and then at first, number one, Patrick Holmes, Andy Reid, Andy Reid, uh, probably the best offensive mind in football with the weapons that they have on offense. And then the talent of Patrick Mahomes, Super Bowl MVP, Super Bowl champions, Pat, uh, Andy Reid was able to get that monkey offense back, uh, as a, you know, finally being labeled as a champion. I love it. I think they're number one. Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid, best coaching and quarterback duo. I know people are gonna say, "Oh, why you don't have Belichick on there?" Belichick is the Belichick is the best coach in football, but Jerk Stidham is his quarterback. I can't, I can't, I can't even properly rate or judge Jerk Stidham, and I'm not gonna do so. Uh, but Belichick is definitely the best coach in football. Andy Reid is like right there. He has a great resume, and Patrick Mahomes, we already know like how great of a talent he is, the throws he makes, um, even when he's not looking or he's looking, doesn't matter. Great talent. Offensive weaponry out of this world. Uh, that's, that is my top 10 list for best coaching and quarterback duo. Thank you guys for listening to another episode. Um, like I said, I, I gave you guys a sneak peek. Already, but I'm going to do my NFC predictions next episode. I'm going to do my NFC predictions next episode. I cannot wait. Thank you guys for tuning in. Thank you guys for listening to another episode of the Isaiah Kid Podcast. I'm out. I'm done. I'm gone. Peace is adios. Stay healthy. Stay clean. Quarantine. Social distance. Do whatever you got to do to stay coronavirus free. Um, I'm out. Thank you guys for listening. Continue to stream this this podcast, wherever you continue to stream it from, uh, thank you for all the i thank you to all the Apple Podcast listeners, Spotify listenership, uh, iHeart Radio, iHeart Radio listenership, whatever you use, whatever you whatever platform you use to, to listen to this podcast, to stream this podcast, continue to use it. Please spread the word, and um, yeah, thank you. I'll be gone. I, I see you guys in the next episode. Thank you guys. Yeah.